0: Before I get to my next guest, Mark Wiebe, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Strixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Strixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Strixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Srixon offers a wide variety of personalized options while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Srixon. Check them out online at Srixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain, which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear, Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing product. Okay, now back in making his 11th appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is 2013 Senior Open Champion and one of the top instructors in the game now, and that's Mark Wiebe. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon and grew up in Escondido, California. Played his college golf first at Palomar Junior College and then transferred to San Jose State. While at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California Amateur, and he also won the Idaho Amateur that same year as well. He was named a second team All American in 1979 at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin won the Silverado Invitational in Napa, California. He turned pro in 1980 and made his way onto the PGA Tour in 1983. He got his first win at the 1985 Anheuser Busch Classic when he beat our friend John Mahaffey with a birdie on the first playoff hole. Mark won again the following year at the 1986 Hardy's Golf Classic, this time by one shot over Kurt Byron, thanks to a birdie that Mark made on 17 during the final round. Mark matched Bobby Watkins' record for being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years and 10 days old when he won the SAS Championship. Like I say, in 2013, he won the Senior Open Championship at Royal Birkdale Defeating Bernard Longer on the fifth playoff hole after Mark shot a final round, 66. Later in 2013, he captured the Pacific Lynx Hawaii Championship in a playoff over Corey Pavin. In all, he won eight times as a professional. Twice on the PGA Tour, five times on the Champions Tour, plus the 1986 Colorado Open. Like I say, Mark's a wonderful guy, and I'm thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Mark, how are you, my friend?
1: Chris, thank you so much. What a great. Introduction. Thank you. Flattered. Mark, I
0: want to start by congratulating you and your son Gunner. He Monday qualified last week to get into the Barbasol Championship, finished the tournament eleven under. Talk about the status of his game.
1: Wow, so Gunnar's been playing pretty good for a while. Uh ironically, as golf goes, this is the his worst hitting as far as the golf goes. Uh striking of the ball, being solid. Uh, being in control of your curve, what well, this was not his finest hour of that, but I will say, uh, to get the job done, sometimes you just play golf and, you know, you hit it and you go get it and you hit it again. And, you know, there's a lot of work involved. Uh, but I, I know that he struggled with his ball striking as far as solid and which then tends to not, you're not pin high very often. Don't have a lot of short putts. And then with his driver, he was struggling and only had just one ball to hit. And he said it was a slice. Uh, so it's funny how golf goes. He's, he's had a couple of these. He's had to pre-qualify, which is kind of weird, but, uh, he's had to pre-qualify to get into the Monday qualifier. In fact, for this tournament, he shot 70 in the pre-qualifier to get into the Monday qualifier and then shot 65 and, uh, and he said he hit it, he hit it decent that day, but he just had a lot of putts and he he made seven, so he had uh, a bogey three sixty five, which is always nice and it kind of gives you a little mojo going into the week. Uh, but I, you know what, eleven under is what he finished, and I thought I was pretty proud of him doing that with uh, not your best and, and kind of standing on a tee shot, not sure where it's going to go, but you got to suck it up and hit it sometimes and. You know, and like I said, go get it. So the shape of his game, I think, is good as far as his playing the game. Uh, we worked today for three hours, and we're going to work again tomorrow morning, uh, probably for another two or three hours here in Phoenix, and try to get his swing a little bit more comfy for him so he can go and do another Monday qualifier.
0: So what are his plans now for the rest of the golf season?
1: Well, there's not many tournaments left. I know that if he can get his game in shape, he has the Monday qualifier in Minneapolis. Um, and that is coming up. I think that might be next week, as a matter of fact. And then, uh, the Colorado Open is around the corner, uh, as well. And then I'm not sure I, you know, he kind of has his schedule and I, he just tells me where he's going and, you know, can you help me with this or that? So uh, I just know of those two things. He's got the Monday qualifier. He's got the Colorado Open. And and then whatever happens after that, I'm sure he'll be somewhere trying to do something.
0: Mark, changing gears a little bit. It's Open Championship Week. You got to play in a few opens in 97-01 in and 2014. And then I believe in eight more senior opens as well. Talk about what it's like being a part of an Open Championship.
1: Well, I think it's incredible. It's, uh, you know, out of all the tournaments that I've ever played in, um, obviously that's probably the most international one, not just the players, but the gallery and all the different languages you hear, uh, at the, at the giant tent where you're buying all the merchandise or out on the, out on the course somewhere. It's kind of a very unique, uh, atmosphere. And, you know, it's, also spiritual since we're playing over kind of where golf originated close to if not right there um so you have a spiritual concept too and then uh it's a different kind of golf for americans uh that you know you're we used to on tv watching the ball hit by the hole take a bounce maybe and then spin or sometimes the players will even play it long on a hole and spin it back to the hole uh at the at the british or at the open you just you might hit that shot every now and then but i i think there's so much more golf played on the ground over there and closer to the ground um which then creates a whole new learning experience you have to know what the ground is doing short of the green what it's doing off the tee if there's bumps and and knobs and moguls uh you got to know where they are uh, cause you may not want to land on the downside of one of those on one time. And then another time you may want to try to land on the downside of one of those to get past all the trouble. So, uh, they're not all the same, but I will tell you, I think the theme is the same. And it, it, we just, there's a lot of uh, shots that you play closer to the ground and, and you a little bit more released and run out rather than those big spinning shots which you'll still see on shots into the wind with some lofted clubs. But as far as downwind and stuff, I don't think you're going to see, unless they get torrential rains, you're not going to see a lot of that going on.
0: Mark, you you sort of alluded to a strategic kind of thinking that you've got to do over there that's different than playing over here. Talk about the mindset change you have to go through when playing links golf so that, to your point, you don't end up bouncing off into you know a huge amount of trouble and it's not necessarily you mentioned the ground it's it's not an air game like we see here talk about how you have to change your mindset when you're going to play lynx golf yes
1: yeah. well um on we all get those yardage books obviously so we know how far the 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 pitfalls are or the pits <laughs> there's there's sometimes there are some bunkers that when you get in you may not even be able to swing or definitely not advance it. You may have to go backwards. So obviously, you're not afraid of those, but you do plan accordingly and take those. For me, I took those out of the game. So for instance, in 2013, when I won at Royal Birkdale, for the week, I hit it in one fairway bunker. And I was so proud of myself for negotiating the wind, the rollout you're getting, you know, as the course, moves on to Saturday and Sunday, it becomes firmer and harder and boundier, and uh, you have to take that into account when you're doing your math. If you have 300 yards to a bunker that if you get it in, you may not be able to go forward, you might have to go backwards, well, I'm not going to get to that bunker. So my strategy is to play short, and I don't care uh, anything on, on that shot, that particular shot, I'm not thinking about anything else. Then keeping that short. And, you know, I, I, I remember being in a college tournament with, uh, somebody named Dan Weisskopf and it was Tommy's little brother, Dan. And I remember Tom came out to watch him and we were a twosome. So I'm strutting the fairway with Tom Weisskopf. Uh, another story, but one of the things he said <laughs> to me that day is if you're, we were talking about laying up and he said, if you're going to lay up, lay up. Don't lay up into the trouble. Meaning if it's a three or four iron, hit the four. If it's a six or seven iron, hit the seven. Don't even risk it because you're already laying up to play this type, this brand of golf. So don't, don't even bring that into consideration. So I, I think, um, I, I believe that now that's the way I played and the way we used to play it. Now you have players that are flying the ball 300 yards and beyond. So there's some going to be some holes that they're going to fly maybe all of those little pot bunkers that are off the tee. They might have to be careful with little pot bunkers at, at the old course here that are sprinkled from the fairway where you hit your tee shot up to the green. There's a couple oddball little bunkers that you... They may have to watch out for not the ones off the tee originally, but they're so long. And from what I understand, the course is really bounding. So they're going to have to really play their own strategy, um, which might include a lot of drivers and it might not. I, who knows? You see guys that can really drive their ball. I, I unless you're going to reach some trouble that you couldn't reach with another club, I see no reason not to take advantage of your strength. So. All those come into play when you're, you know, getting ready to play in any event, let alone a major. You definitely are coming up with a game plan that might change the weather. Uh Could be something big that makes you change your game plan. Um, soft or hard conditions. And the wind direction. Um, my first British Open ever uh was at Troon. The first hole, the first day, I hit four iron. And I hit a baby sand wedge into the green. And the next day I hit a driver off the tee, same hole and hit a seven iron to the green. So wow. the wind, the wind direction means a, a whole bunch and it may not change. Um, or it, it might lull. We, we don't know what's going to happen over there. I, I understand it's warm for over there. They're going to have some nice weather, but the wind direction, you'll see guys. I'm sure that we'll hit it in the rough on some holes purposely just to have the angle to the pin of where the pin is located that day. So if the pin's back right and you know you can't get it close out of the fairway because the ball's running too much, then you might try to drive it way left on a hole as long as there's no, you know, like I said, there's going to be danger everywhere. But if you can avoid the danger, you're going to take the angle to the hole way more than you're going to take fairway over rough, in some cases
0: so having said all of that who who are the guys that you expect to be on the top of the leaderboard come late sunday afternoon
1: wow um hmm. you know i'd have to probably go back and look at who's played well uh at the old course but you know As much as I root for the Americans all the time, I, I always, when I think about golf over there, I think about their best international players. I think about Hideki has been playing well. Uh, I think about Dustin Johnson, who I think always, always has a shot with his game. He always has a shot at winning. Uh, I don't know who my outlier, I'd watch out for somebody that's a youngster that you just may not know about that comes out of nowhere. That happens a lot too. So I don't have an overall pick. I would probably say, uh, I guess I'd have to look at the list, but, um, I, I mean, one of my favorite golfers to watch is, uh, Justin Thomas. I, I just, I enjoy him. And you know, I work with my son so I can appreciate he's working with his dad. And always has, and, uh, there's probably a, uh, something about that that draws me to him, but I really like the way he plays. I like, he's feisty. Um, he puts his head to the, his nose to the grindstone. He doesn't back off of anything. And, uh, it's apparent and winning means a lot to him, which is also super apparent. And all those qualities make up a guy that I really enjoy watching. So. I'll always root for him. I know the better you are and the higher your rank and when people start talking about you being a contender at the Open, it's harder to play. So, guys like that if they can just stick to their game plan and uh go play golf and and not get wrapped up into obviously how cool it would be to win the British Open uh or the Open, whatever we want to call that. Um I, I think that that's, you know, we all dream about certain tournaments and I, I would imagine, uh, there's a lot of good visuals, uh, for those younger guys. Jordan spieth has been playing well. Um, you know, he's pretty good putter. So, uh, man, there's, they seem like just the, the pick of everyone, but those, those would be my, my, my favorite guys probably to watch and to, and to root for.
0: Switching gears, Mark, I want to get your thoughts on Live Golf. If Greg Norman had showed up with a check for some ridiculous amount of money back when you were playing on the PGA Tour, would it have been hard to turn down?
1: Um. Yeah, and I'm not so sure I would have turned it down. Um, I, I think that we all get a little bit lost um, in the fact that not everybody plays golf on the tour to be the best in the world. And I, I will be the first one to admit it. I played golf for a living because I was pretty good at it and I wanted to be the best I could be always, but I never had visions of being the best golfer in the world ever. And I I don't think I'm a bad person for that. So when I, when I hear some of the golfers talk like they're offended or, or golfers turn their back on them, uh, to go to the live tour, I, I just couldn't disagree more. I think you can do whatever you want. You don't have to be judged by everyone. If you want to play there, then go play there. I think you should be able, personally, uh, I think you should be able to play wherever you want. If you want to play the live one week and the tour the next, and the DP World Tour, I, and then one in the uh, the European Tour. Uh, I just don't see anything wrong with that because you're bringing... You're, you're bringing some golf expertise to whatever tournament you're playing in. And Bud, you know, and I know we're in the day and age of expansion and sports and the tour is getting smaller. The fields are shorter. We used to play 156 every week we could. And now we're playing limited players. And in the meantime, we have kids coming, boys and girls coming to the tour that are awesome players, but there's no room because the tour is getting smaller. You might make the tour. They give a lot of cards out, but some of those guys will never play. There's no guarantee to even get in a tournament if you make the tour. So someday there's got to be another tour because we need to expand. I, I would love for it to be the PGA Tour expanding and having another afl nfl type deal who knows i'm guessing but uh i would love i would love for that to happen because it's not fair to like kids like my son who's he could go make the tour tomorrow and that'd be believe me that would be awesome but to go through the qualifying school it's not even for the tour for the corn ferry, and then you got to spend time on the corn ferry if you get in and you got to do this and that to get onto the tour and those guys also don't have a guarantee because our fields are getting shorter. We even struck the FedEx Cup down from 125 to 70 to start. Everything's becoming smaller. Yet there's a billion golfers coming to the, trying to make the tour every year. So I know you didn't ask for that. But that's my two cents. I don't have any animosity against any of those guys. I love Phil Mickelson as much as I ever have. I I can't believe he won the PGA. Do something. It's just that's incredible i played with him when he was a junior uh so i i don't dislike dustin johnson for going to the live if that's what he wants i don't think he's turning his back on the tour he's just taking a new opportunity and, and going with it and i'm not going to condemn anybody for that They're they're good people still
0: mark before i let you go for our listeners that would love to get a lesson from Mark Weeby, How can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Find you online and find you on social media.
1: Well, so I, I do some Instagram and that is, uh, I think just Mark Wiebe and I think it's at Mark Wiebe for Instagram. I also do a little bit of, uh, Twitter, not much. Um, my website is markwiebegolf.com. You can go on, get my email. And email me and come get a lesson. I'm now teaching at Rio Verde Country Club in Rio Verde, Arizona. Uh, really nice spot, 36 holes, nice range, good short game area. Uh, great place to come and get a lesson. And uh, love love for people to come out. I'm that's all I do now. I can't play anymore. I'm I've got too many injuries, but I still teach and still love it. Absolutely.
0: Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your afternoon to come back and be a part of the show. You're always so much fun to talk to. I hope we get the uh, privilege of catching up with you again soon.
1: Chris, you're awesome, and thanks for reminding me. This was number 11. Oh, my God. I'm too old to be on your show 11 times.
0: (laughs) Not at all. You're fantastic, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, buddy. See you, Mark. That is the great Mark Wiebe. MarkWiebeGolf.com is the website. He is out there at Rio Verde Country Club in Rio Verde, Arizona. If you're out that way, why wouldn't you go get a lesson from a guy who is a senior Open champion and all the great things that Mark achieved over the course of of his playing career? He's a fantastic guy, uh, a great teacher, and just like I say, just one of the best people that I've had the opportunity to spend some time with. I look forward to catching up with Mark again soon.